I won't do a whole lot of recapping tonight, but I do want to uh, real, real quickly here touch on Joshua chapter one. Last week, we started with about a 15 minute introduction where we went from about Abraham there in Genesis 12, all the way up through Exodus and you know the first five books of the Bible and then came here to Joshua. That included talking about Moses who God raised up to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. We talked about that Sunday morning as well in the Psalm that we were in. And we know that they were in that wilderness for 40 years because of a lack of faith. And we'll touch on that again tonight as we start here in the first verse in a little bit. And really in Joshua, um, you know, one of the themes in, in practically as far as, you know, at them leaving Egypt, being in the wilderness, and now they're finally coming into the land of milk and honey. It's a picture of the Christian life. We come to Christ through, again, the shed blood of the lamb. We come into a place of salvation. And then from there, the question is, as a born-again believer, are you going to live your life in the desert or are you going to walk in abundant life? And when we're a carnal people, a carnal Christian, when we're a people that you know what, put Jesus second or third or fourth and we don't seek him first, there's a grieving of the spirit that happens in our life and it's a wilderness type of walk. It is a Christianity that lacks a power from upon high. But when we say, look, at, I wanna walk by faith. I wanna seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's not a salvation issue, but it is a how you live an issue as well as what are your rewards in heaven gonna look like? And we get those years where they're just in the desert and you hear complaining and grumbling and plagues breaking out. And if it's not one thing, it's something else. You know, these people just lack joy. Moses finally goes to be with the Lord. His servant goes to be with the Lord. And then God raises up Joshua, his assistant for those 40 years. And he said, listen, it's time now to get past desert living. It is time to go into the promised land. And we saw Joshua, his name means Jehovah saves. It's where we get the name of Jesus in the scripture. And we know absolutely Jesus is that shed blood or shed his blood that we come to salvation through Jesus. And we also know we walk in abundant life through relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, I came to give them life and life abundantly. So we wanna keep that in mind because Joshua is a book of steps of faith. It's a book where, as we saw last week, four times He's told to be strong and courageous, three by the Lord and then one by those eastern tribes that would go into the, again, promised land with them before they went back to the land that had already been conquered for them. We know walking with Christ, there's a call to be strong. There's a call to be courageous, to trust in the Lord, to put faith in God. And I'll tell you, when you do that, there is a work of the Spirit of God that is really you know, and I, 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 I want to use the right word. I, you know, I think of activated, unleashed, but really, you know, the Bible compares it to a torrent of living water in the sense of we're, we're walking in the light and there, there's that closer fellowship with God as well as, again, the work of the Spirit of God in life versus a quenching or a grieving when it's just, let me just seek my way and then Jesus is on the back burner and then when I get in trouble from seeking my way, I'll kind of call out to the Lord and be committed for a week. And then I kind of go back to it. We've all been there before. And so we want to keep that in mind as we go through this book. There's great application to our day in and day out walk with the Lord 
in that manner. So again, last week, Moses has passed. Joshua has been raised up. They've mourned over Moses. And now he says, it's time to arise and go. It's time to get up. You've been in the wilderness too long. It's time to walk in the abundant life. And maybe that's you tonight. You're born again, but you haven't been walking by faith. You haven't really been seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And you know what I'm saying when I'm talking about the wilderness life. And you're saying, I'm ready to again really seek after the Lord. And I want to walk by faith. I want to put the word before me and walk in. And listen, God wants to empower that. And God wants to bring an abundance of fruits of the Spirit of God. So they're charged to arise and go. The Lord lays out the borders or the land he's allotting to them. And last week I gave you guys a map in the notes that showed that land allotted to them. Israel today only has a small fraction of that land. And even at the high point during the, 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 the reign of King David, they only, they only had about 10% of the land that was deeded to them by the Lord. So it was like 300,000 square miles and the most they've ever actually had is 30,000 square miles. It all belongs to them, but it's a matter of them walking by faith and obtaining that. And we saw there in Ephesians 1.3 that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. And the question is, how much of the fullness of what God has provided for us are we going to walk him? And listen, a lot of that is not contingent on God. God's ready to pour it out. We're not, and we're not talking about, again, material things and pursuits. As some people blur these lines, the Lord's going to provide for all our needs. But a lot of this just goes back to our faith. How much do we want to trust the Lord? How much do we want to do things God's ways? Because listen, every time they stepped out of faith and they said, we're going to trust the Lord, every single time they obtained the victory. Every time when they did it God's way, we're trusting in the Lord, victory came. And every time when they said, hey, we're going to seek the, the bales and the asterisks, we're going to do it the world's way, defeat came from that and setback came out of that. So the Lord shows them the borders and he basically tells Joshua, everywhere your feet steps, that's going to be allotted to you. Go and take it and then go and divide it. And then we see the Lord telling him multiple times, be strong and courageous trust in me you're going to see things basically he's saying he alluded to you're going to see things that in your flesh is going to make you want to shrink back again joshua was part of that first group that went in and spied out the land he knew that 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 giants were in that land the descendants of anak were in that land if you just looked with natural eyes you would go yes it's a land of milk and honey and again we'll see tonight those tribe those spies that went in the first time 10 of them said the people are too great we'll get devoured in there and they looked at men versus looking at him and the lord's promises and they forgot all the deliverance that they had seen firsthand out of egypt so god tells them over and over be strong and courageous and then he tells them i'm with you that's reason to be strong and courageous be strong and courageous i'm going to give you victory be strong and courageous so you can walk according to my word and have abundant blessing. So he gives them reasons to be strong and courageous versus someone just saying, hey, be strong and courageous when you know they're going to go out there and they're going to, you know what, the, 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 their enemy is going to wipe the floor with them. That's not us. 
He says, be strong and courageous because I am with you. I will go before you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And we saw how those promises apply to us in our walk with Christ. And then we saw the uh, second half of the chapter and we looked at it briefly and, and this comes up again, especially towards the end of the book. Two and a half of the tribes had gotten land on the other side of the Jordan. They were crossing the Jordan into the land of Canaan and they got victory there and the Gadites and the Reubenites and half of Manasseh said, hey, we want to set up here. And God said, you can do that. But here's the thing, when you go into the land, you need to go fight with your brothers. You need to help them attain that land because they've helped you. And they said, hey, we're gonna do that. And if anyone in our camp gets out of line, we're gonna check them. We're gonna put them back in line And they said, this is the one thing though, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Follow the Lord and as you follow the Lord, that's gonna make it real easy for us to follow after you. And we just talked about leadership in that, especially leadership in the church and leadership in our homes. Listen, when leaders are being led by the Lord and they're being strong and courageous, it makes it a whole lot easier to follow, especially people of integrity It makes it easy for them to follow. And I'll tell you, if you're in a place of leadership tonight, and I know many of us here are in different ways, the more that you're strong and courageous and you do things uprightly and you trust in the Lord, it's gonna make it way easier for those that you're over to follow after you. And you need to know in that, you're gonna be pointing them to who you're following, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that brings us up here to chapter two. And let's make our way down through this chapter here tonight. It says, verse one, now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. Now listen, if you're familiar with what happened before this, you know, 40 years earlier, you can step back and go, oh boy, that move didn't work out well the first time. Why is Joshua doing this again? And remember what happened the first time Moses sent 12 spies to check out the land of Canaan, this land that God said, all you gotta do is go in there and take it and I'm gonna give it to you. 12 spies went out and we read in Numbers 13, 26, the report they brought back. And I just wanna read it, just comment on it just real briefly. There verse 26, it says, now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, And they brought back word to them, to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. I remember the fruit was so big that it took two guys and a stick to be able to bring a cluster of grapes. So it wasn't just, oh, you you want a grape? No, two dudes carrying a cluster of grapes. He said, indeed, it is as described. It's an abundant land. It's full of milk and honey, just as God described. So again, they're saying, once again, God doesn't lie. God's been faithful to them every step along the way. He's delivered them out of Egypt powerfully. And now they go in and they get that testimony. And here's the thing, you know what? The Bible talks about an abundant life. I came to give life and life abundantly, Jesus says. We read in Galatians 5 about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The Lord's saying, those are there for you. And indeed, God does not lie in that. Can we say amen? Amen. 
But how many times do we find excuses and reasons why we can't have that kind of walk or relationship with the Lord? And again, listen, it's not even a matter of, 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 of them, me having to, to move in this legalistic life where, you know, I'm every little step, you know what? Oh, man, I got to make sure, you know, for reasons of, of, of self-righteousness to cross every T. It's not that. It's saying, I want to walk with Jesus and I want the Lord to be God over every area of my life. And I want to bring my struggles before him and my issues before him. I want to seek him first. God knows that, again, our frame is fail, frail and we're but dust. But how many times do we come up with reasons why we can't do that? I don't know how many times I've told people over the years in counseling, you can look at, I go, I'll go see, search that Bible from the end to the beginning, and you're not going to find, I'll use their name. You know what? Uh, I'll, I'll just throw, if there's a Bobby here tonight, I'm not directing this for you. You're not going to find a Bobby clause. You know what I'm saying? Like a clause where you're the exception of the rule, where you don't have a call to come walk in this and a requirement to do, even in the sense of you want to walk in abundance of life. But people come up with all these different reasons, whether it's something that happened to them or the way they're made or whatever else, why, you know, there's an exception for them. Or even they'll look and they say, it just seems too difficult. I was too much in this. And these guys find that excuse. And God doesn't buy it. And it puts them in a wilderness. And maybe tonight you don't have that abundant life with the Lord. You want that. And you say, well, that can't be for me because of A, B, C, and D. A, B, C, and D are all lies. You bring A, B, C, and D before, and maybe an E. Maybe you got an E there too. Do I got an F and a G? You bring those before the Lord, and you say, Lord, I'm ready to lay these things down before you. You watch God work, and he will. So they show them all the land, and then verse 28, nevertheless, nevertheless, again, here's the excuse. Here's our little clause. It's just as God described, but here's the thing. Nevertheless, the people who dwell on the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw descendants of Anak there, which these are giants. And we talked about giants, you know, in, in a little bit in Revelation. We talked a lot about that back in Genesis. I'm not going to get into all that tonight, but there were legitimate giants in the land. It had to do with genetic issues and rebellion, rebellion and so forth. Really, it was an effort to try to cut off the seed of the Messiah who then prophesied to come. And these were fierce men of renown. It says, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the, blank, along the, the, the banks of the Jordan. How quickly had they forgotten you had just been delivered out of the superpower on the earth? Because listen, Egypt run roughshod over those countries. Egypt had dominated them for years, going back to the famine that happened with Pharaoh and Joseph telling Pharaoh, this is how you need to prepare for that. Because if you get into the nitty-gritty of scripture, they took control even of those lands and those kings had been subjected to the Egyptians for hundreds of years. And God delivered them out of the superpower of the world. And we'll see tonight these very, these very nations that they were afraid of, even back then, were quaking in their boots at the idea of Israel going in there. And again, how many times do we think, oh, well, the enemy's so much, you know, too powerful. But here's the truth. The enemy's knees knocks 
the, you know what, the devil and his demons, their knees knock at the idea of us saying, I'm, I'm tired of living in the wilderness. I want to draw near to Jesus. They're fearful of that. Their hearts melt concerning that. Again, these nations are a picture of Satan and his angels in spiritual warfare. So they're looking at men though in situations and giants versus the giant God who brought all those plagues, who kept them from those plagues, who said through, you know what, take this lamb and shed its blood and put it over your doorpost and I'll deliver you. Not only were they delivered, but the sea came back and washed that army that was more, way more powerful than any of these, washed them away. And listen, we look at scripture and we see the power of God and we look at the power of God bringing us to Christ. Why do we forget? Lord, help us not to forget, amen. amen. And then verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Hey, everyone, be quiet. Shh. You guys weren't being quiet, but I'm pretending on Caleb here. And we know Joshua was right by his side. We don't read it right here, but Joshua is right there with them. And he said, let's go up there at once and take possession of it, for we'll be able to overcome it. And why did he say that confidently? Because he knew God said, go in and take possession, and you'll overcome it. That's simple. God said, go, and we'll get the victory. But the men who had gone up with them said, we are not able to go against the people, for they're stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel bad report of the land which they had sent, that they had spied out, saying, the land which we have gone as spies, the land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great structure. Look, at we have a legitimate enemy of our soul and Satan and his angels, that's true. Spiritual warfare is true. It's something to be taken seriously. But let me tell you, the devil takes great pleasure in trying to paint this picture of him somehow being equal with our God. And, you know, all oh, that devil roars. Yeah, he does. But does not God go before us? And does not, does not God slay lions and so forth? And oftentimes do we shrink back because, oh boy, you know, spiritual warfare is going to come back. Oh, and that old devil. Well, listen, I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not to shrink back. We're to move forward in steps of faith. And so again, uh, where am I? He says, the land through which we have gone as spies, the land devours all the inhabitants and all the people whom we saw are men of great stature. And we saw giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and we were in their sight and so what happens is the 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 unbiblical report of the 10 it overrides the two joshua and caleb saying no no let's go and then the people cry all night and they they boohoo and whatnot and then moses says listen god's god would give us victory but now that you've shrunk back you're going to be in this wilderness until this generation right now passes away. We're not going in that. So get used to desert life. And then some of them go, oh, but no, we should have went. And then they go up and now they're outside of that call and they get routed. And then 40 years, because they don't want to do it God's way, 40 years they're in that desert. And so here we are again and Joshua sends in spies again. And you think, well, Joshua, why are you doing that? Didn't work out well. Well, I think there's reasons for it. This time he only sends two guys. He doesn't send 12. And I think the two guys he sent, he knew these are men of God. 
And let me tell you, two men of God that fear God are way better than two men of God who fear God versus two men of God who fear God and have faith along with 12 carnal men tagging along who've got a voice who shouldn't have a voice. The Bible says, don't lay hands on anyone too hastily lest you share in their sin. And sometimes, listen, things are far better off when they're small and there's people of faith than when it gets big and you start getting an 80% mixture of carnality in there. I've seen that many times over the years in ministry and efforts and so forth. Well, you bring a little leaven in, you bring a little carnality in, and you're far better off with a few with faith than folks that want to bemoan and boo-hoo and bring a fleshly perspective in at every single turn. And Joshua says, we only need two spies. We, we don't need 12. I know these guys. These are men of God, men of great faith. And that would prove to be the case. Also, listen, this needed to be done practically. And there's spiritual things in the Bible and there's practical things in the Bible. And when you seek the spiritual first, then the practical becomes spiritual. But there's times, there's times to pray that there's times you've got to get up and you've got to go. If there's a hole that needs to be dug, yes, you can pray. Is this where the hole should be dug? Get confirmation. That hole's not going to get dug, though, until you get up and you go and dig the hole. The hole's got to be dug. And part of this was, yes, God had told them, go in and get it. But now, practically, they needed to go out and see what are we up against. Jesus even confirms this in Luke 14, 31, or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes out against him with 20,000. And so practically, he says, we need to go out and see what we're going, but let's see what we're up against, especially Jericho being that first city on the other side of the Jordan. And if you're familiar with the map at all or the terrain, you cross the Jordan, Jericho's there, then there's an ascent up to Jerusalem. And that's where the parable of the Good Samaritan is found there in scripture on that ascent up. So they needed to go out there and to assess it. And again, there's the place of prayer, there's steps of faith, there's the practical steps of faith as well. What came to my mind to think about this, Ecclesiastes 11.4, he who observes the wind will not sow, he who regards the clouds will not reap. And he who regards the giants is never gonna go in and take the land. In other words, there's always a reason to find an excuse not to get up and go do what God's called you to do. Well, we go sow some seeds, but it's too windy today. And then the next day comes, well, we go sow, sow some seeds, but it's too cloudy today. And here's the thing. Listen, you got to pray, then you got to get up and you got to work. I'll give it, give it, it, it and, and again, this applies in all kinds of different ways and applies, hey, let's, let's pray for souls. Well, then you got to get out and got to go engage people. You got to reach out to the community. You got to do light the night carnivals to bring people in to share Jesus with them. That's a lot of work, but it's worth it. And it's what it needs to be done. And we could easily, easily said, you know what, back in August, well, you know what, we might get rain in October, you know, and so we, we can't schedule that. It might be a rainy day or all the years we've been down in sunken gardens, you know, doing outreach down there. It's easy to go, well, it might rain. What if it rains? That's a big investment. Well, we can't do it because it's going to rain. It's rained down there, and we still had a full park and seen people come to the Lord. And so there's a time to pray, and then there's a time to go. 
They've been in that desert 40 years. It's go time. It is time to get up and go. And maybe tonight, you know, you're a man, a woman of prayer, but there's things God's tugging you to do. And it's time to get up and go. And you keep coming up with every reason and excuse why you can't. You got to crucify those and get up and go. Because let me tell you, say, when this is taken care of, then I will. I can guarantee you there can be something that's going to jump right in there and take that place. And there'll be another reason why. Because that old devil who is our enemy, he loves to bring another excuse. Or, okay, well, you know, that giant's gone. Let me bring in another giant. Oh, I can't now because of these reasons. And so, again, now it's time to go practically. We got to go spy out the land. And then chapters 3 through 6, they go out and they take the land. Kind of three steps in it. So they went and they came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And I put in my notes, what in the world? Now listen, they didn't go there to partake, but this was really a wise act in that in Jericho, which was totally carnal where these things just took place and part of their judgment was is because they were no longer ashamed of their sin. But here's the thing, if two strange men went into this house, no one would think anything about it. If they went in another home, people go, what they're doing over there? So they go to the house of Rahab the harlot, thinking if we go in here, dudes are coming in here all the day. It's an ugly picture, but it's the reality of the world back then. And I hate break the news to you, it's the reality of the world today. It's a fallen world, guys. Jesus conquered the grave, and he is the one that will wash us and clean us up. And so they went in there, no doubt, in wisdom. But here's the glorious thing. Nothing is by accident in the believer's life. We do have choices to make, but we have the assurance of God's providence. Proverbs 16, 9, a man plans his ways and the Lord directs his steps. Because again, no doubt God directed them there and God had again unfolding all of these things and blessing Israel and bringing all the deliverance, but all the while as well, it's not just about Israel, it's about these other nations as well. And God's eyes were going to and fro saying, is there any Gentiles that fear me? Are there any Gentiles that are hearing of my might and power that would want salvation? And no doubt, and we'll hear a testimony in a bit, no doubt Rahab, when she was a little girl at some point, you know, worshiping those those pagans and no doubt probably raised in a household of prostitution, she heard about the God of heaven who had delivered Israel out of Egypt. And who had defeated Og and Shion on the other side of Jericho. And listen, it resonated in her little heart. And she looked around, no doubt, and knew we're sinners here. And we deserve judgment here. And we'll see everyone saying it, but there was something in here that says, I want to know that God. I want to get saved. And God brought these two men in there, and they thought they were spying out the land or whatever. They were there predominantly to meet up with this woman so that she could meet up with the God of heaven. He knew that she was groping in her heart. I want something more. I want to be delivered. And let me tell you guys, we go out of this place and we walk all over the place. There are Rahabs out in our midst that are longing to know about the Lord. Will we open our mouths? Will we look for them? Or will we just go about our business? I'm just here to get gasoline. When it might be on the person on the pump over is that Rahab just wondering about, you know, a God. And maybe they've heard about Jesus. I had a young guy come up in here today and he said, hey, um, 
is it okay if I go there and pray, go inside and pray? And the kids were practicing for the play. I go, you can't go up here, but if you want to pray, you can go over the picnic bench. And then I started talking to him. And it's just a kid wanting to know about God. <laughs> and the Lord just directed him here. And I got to have a long conversation about the Lord, gave him a Bible, gave him tracts. It was glorious. And it reminded me of this. There's people like that. And he just says, with everything going on and it seemed like he had a somewhat of a knowledge of the Lord. And you know what? It, 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 I shared the gospel with him and he kind of nodded his head and the conversation kind of is there, but the conversations will continue, no doubt. The Rahabs are all about. Verse two, I got to get going here. About half an hour. Verse two, and it was told the king of Jericho saying, behold, the men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So, Joshua sends his men to go spy out the land, but make no mistake, the devil has his spies as well. He watches the righteous. He takes note of our actions. He has familiar spirits, ministers, and minions. He watches our fellowship. He watches you as a believer. Listen, don't fret, you're in good company. There are so many verses, and I got some of them in your notes. But notice Mark 3, 1, it's one of them. And Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand, so they watched him closely, whether to heal on the Sabbath, so they might accuse him. We got an accuser of the brethren. Notice Luke 20, 20, so they watched Jesus and sent spies who pretended to be righteous so that they might seize on his words in order to deliver him up, uh, deliver him to the power and authority of the governor. The enemy's watching, but here's the thing. You don't need to fret. I ran into people before and they said, well, I don't pray out loud because I don't want the devil to hear my prayers. Bro, you don't need to fear that. You're praying to God. Serious, I had that conversation many times. We don't need to be hyper paranoid. That will cripple your faith. I don't care if there's a devil behind every door. My God goes before me through every door. (laughs) It's like my knees shouldn't be knocking, them devil's knees need to be knocking. We need to know it's par for the course. Spiritual warfare is par for the course, but our God's greater. With that as well, we do have a responsibility to watch ourselves because we are being watched. We're epistles known or read by all men. 2 Corinthians 3, 2. I don't want to be known. I don't want to be read. Well, listen, if you're going to follow the Lord, you're going to be read and you're going to be known. 1 Timothy 4, 16, take heed to yourselves. So how are you living? You're being watched. And your doctrine continue in them for in doing this, you may save both yourself and those who hear you. And then Ecclesiastes 10, 1, dead flies putrefy the perfumes, perfumer's ointment to cause to give it a foul odor. So does a little folly to one respect her for wisdom and honor. And let me tell you, I've seen over the years many a time solid ministers and ministries and listen, I'll, I've been there myself before where good work's going. And then, you know what? There's a little area where you get a little foolish. Man, the devil seizes on that. He seizes on it. Because not only is he looking and looking, is that T cross? Is that I dotted? He has people he works through. Is that T cross? Is that I dotted? Oh, I found a paragraph with three T's not crossed and two I's not dotted. We're going, we're, we're bringing the accusation and whatnot. We got to watch ourselves. And listen, we also got to take ownership of, yeah, I didn't cross the T's or I's. God, forgive me. 
just the way that it is. It's the world we're living in. But listen, what unfolds here is great. Verse three. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you who have entered your house. So these spies know that they have gone into Rahab's home for they've come to search out all the country. The women took two men. uh, Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not go. Pursue them quickly for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she laid in order on the roof. Now I have actually had many of conversation with multiple people over the years that the only thing they get out of this chapter is how in the world could Rahab lie? And God approved of her lying. What in the world's going on? Is God contradicting himself? We're never to lie. And yes, we're never to lie, but here's the thing. There's weightier parts of the law that are of more importance. (laughs) Jesus had to deal with those Pharisees all the time and they always ignored the weightier part of the law. It was all about self-righteousness and their works, trying to make themselves right with God. And it just confused them in every area. And the Lord rebuked him in Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay the tithe of mint and anise and cumin, but have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought have done without leaving the others undone, blind guides who strain in a gnat and swallow a camel. Jesus talks about King David when he was in place fleeing from Saul and him and his men were starving and they go to the high priest home And they say, we need to eat, we're about to die. And he says, well, there's showbread that was used in worship. And listen, only the priests were supposed to eat that showbread. But he said, listen, it's leftover, it's a day old, you can go eat that. Now again, by law, they weren't supposed to eat that showbread. But that showbread had served its purpose in the worship of the Lord. Now it's just sitting there on the side. And what's more important to God old showbread or these been living <laughs> and here's the thing these men's lives were more important than her snitching them out in an effort to be self-righteous i'm sorry life's not always black and white it just isn't i remember years ago we were we were refuging a woman who had been battered by her husband this guy bro- broke her face and dude shows up at my house saying, is my wife here? Look at, I said with a clear conscience, she's not here, but I'm here. Pastor Steve was a little more wily back then. Because <laughs> my wife had grown up with this gal and she's a sweet gal and this dude's using her as a punching bag. She ain't here, she was in the other room. She ain't here, but I'm here. He left. I have a clear conscience about that to this day. Oh, Steve, you lied. no. I was protecting this gal that was being beat by a dude who, who was using her as a punching bag. And I probably also saved myself an assault charge on that day. Men that beat up women get beat up by men. Generally, that's how it works out. Again, it's a fallen world. We deal with realities here. This was no sin. It was a great act of faith. Listen, she was dead if they found these guys there. 
This was a great act of faith. She was siding with God, and it's sad that they're self-righteous types too blind to see it. In fact, the Bible commends what she did did here. Now, again, don't take this out of context and say, well, I'm going to start lying all the time and justify it before the Lord. (laughs) Be careful with that. (laughs) Hebrews 11.30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she received the spies with peace. God says, that's a great act of faith. The weightier thing was their souls protecting these people she put her neck out on the line so don't be the type to think it's more important to keep the speed limit than to speed in an effort to save someone bleeding out or like the pharisees who boy is he going to heal on the sabbath jesus is healing people and they're more concerned with sabbath keeping which they weren't even keeping it themselves because of an ox fell their ox fell into a pit they'd go get it out of the pit and generally, that's how these things are. Even the accusation is not even a sinful accusation because Jesus said, listen, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, boys. Go sit down. Go sit down. <laughs> she not only said they're not here, but I love it. She hid them in a great spot and then redirected the enemy. Go down there. They're down there. You want the enemy redirected? There's many ways to do it. Steps of faith and prayer always get the job done again great act of faith james 2 24 commends her as well you see that a man is justified by works and not faith only likewise was not the rahab rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way it was an act of faith to hide them and it was an act of faith for her to step up and go no they're not here but if you go down there you know you'll find them and listen it wasn't a jedi mind trick it was a prophetic word because they're like okay and they left it's amazing when you step out of faith how god works we're in your mind you got it all lean on your understanding i'm gonna step out of faith and you watch god just do things and open doors and sit people down and stand people up and it's almost like they're going okay it's awesome verse 7 the men pursued them by the road of jericho to the fords as soon as those who pursued them had gone out they shut the gate so again, she took a step of faith. It was a prophetic word. They're like, okay, we're going. Verse eight, now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof. So they're gonna stay there on the roof and hide it out. And then at the proper time, they'll leave and so forth. And she said, she said to the men, I know, I love it. I know that the Lord has given you the lamb. She has more faith than those Israelites had 40 years earlier. I know the Lord has given you the lamb, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we've heard, uh, for for we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of Jordan, Shion and Og, whom you've utterly destroyed. And I'm not going to read the text. It's here in Deuteronomy two thirty-one through ten. Og, the king of Bashan, he's, he's another descendant, you know, of the giants. This dude is a legend, no doubt, a Goliath type, but even bigger than him. I mean, these are incredible, incredibly powerful nations. And she said, we've heard. We heard how the Red Sea was split. No doubt she heard about how the Egyptians were then drowned and God took care of them. And then how they went on the other side of Jordan and got these incredible victories just as a, 
as a band of, of, of people who'd been slaves for four hundred. They weren't soldiers, they'd been slaves, but they went out and their faith did start to grow a bit there in that wilderness, you know? You, you, we, we don't want to just ignore that and God had given them victory. And the enemy's melting and let me tell you tonight and again, we, we don't take the enemy lightly and we don't combat him in our flesh, but the enemy's heart melts when he thinks of, when he, when he thinks of true believers still really standing up and they say, let's do things biblically and be a people to prayer and step out in faith. And God goes before you in it. He goes, look at one blessing we had in the whole COVID thing. We got to see that in a way that we've never seen before. Because God granted his grace as a fellowship to say, we're going to go forward by faith. We're going to teach the word. We're going to be unashamed of the gospel. We're going to, I'm not here right now. We're unashamed of the gospel. And we've seen God just do great things in the midst. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Like I've been there before. God bless you. Tell them we're in church, put it on speaker, let them listen. <laughs> We've seen it firsthand, have we not? Where it's like, you can't worship, well, we're gonna worship. <laughs> you can't get together, we're gonna get together. I had neighbors calling, you can't preach that, won't preach in it anyway. We're not just gonna shrink back because of that, man, they're eager. They're eager. So listen, not only though did God deliver them, God was delivering a message to the world, I'm God. I'm God. When God's working in the life of his people, he's delivering a message. And again, they heard about it even all the way up in Jericho. She probably heard it as a little girl and had never forgotten. It was a seed planted into her heart that the Lord no doubt had allowed it to be watered at different times. And now it's bringing you forth to salvation because what we read there in James and Hebrews, it's not just steps of faith, it's steps of faith that brought them into salvation. Abraham believed God and it was accounted as righteousness and Rahab believed God and it was accounted under her righteousness. So seed planting is huge and hear this, especially with kids, especially with kids. And if you think Friday night's just a silly little thing we're doing out here, shame on you. We're doing that and there's a great effort to want to evangelize kids. And I know there's some, some knuckleheads on our Facebook trying, you pagans and this and that. Bro, we are out here letting a light shine for Jesus while you're gonna be sitting at home doing whatever you do in your silliness at home. There ain't no celebration of any Halloween, Day of the Dead, any of that nonsense. But we are here to represent Jesus Christ and I'm gonna seize that day and we're seizing it to evangelize children and families in this church. Little Rahabs. There's gonna be little Rahabs running around here. There will be. Listen, I remember as a small child, little seeds and things, little things that stood out. Like a part of the reason I have Jack Chick tracks in there, I love Jack Chick because Jack Chick planted seeds in my heart that helped bring me to Jesus as a three-year-old kid. I remember reading somebody goofed and saw those devils in there and literally it scared the hell out of me. I'm like, I wanna get Jesus in my heart. I wanna get Jesus in my heart. Seed planting's huge. I'll tell you these souls today, the, the older these kids get, it happens early and early. It becomes stony and like concrete real quick nowadays. Real quick. Verse 11, as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven and above and on earth beneath. Again, it's an acknowledgement. He's Lord. There's a profession of faith right here. He is 
God. It ain't Baal. It ain't Ashereth. It ain't Dagon down with the Philistines. It ain't Malcolm. It is the God of heaven. He is the Lord. He is God. Isn't it awesome? I get, I get pumped up over this. This is awesome. And in a way, in a way, they almost had more of a fear of God than many of the Israelis. Because again, those, that other generation that didn't go in, they didn't even know. Meanwhile, all those people that look like giants, they had a dread on them. I hope they don't come in here. I won't go into it, but Second Samuel or First Samuel 4, it's when Israel is, is having issues with the Philistines. I need, we need like a teenager in here because like, you know what I'm saying? God bless you. I, I just remember I couldn't work, my parents couldn't work those VCRs when I was a kid. I'm like, give me that. And there's people like, I, I, how do you make it go? <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. I was, in a, I was at a conference once and a guy's phone went off. It was all pastors. And it went off in the front and he, the guy's like fumbling and like there's a couple thousand pastors and he's like fumbling and like trying to get it off. And like, he's like running out and it's ringing and the guy talking, I won't tell who it is because everyone knows who he is. He's a man of God. And he goes, well, aren't you important, aren't you? And he shamed dude all the way out. And just in my mind, I said, I don't ever want to do that. I've probably done it, but I don't want to do that. I felt so bad for that guy. And I'm thinking, what if that's his wife saying I'm going into labor? Is, is, that, is that a labor call? A car warranty, there you go. <laughs> I get those on my 20-year-old Ford. Your car warranty has expired. Yeah, you think? <laughs> Anyhow, there in Samuel, again, they hear about the ark coming out to do battle and the Philistines are melting and they're like, oh no. And they have more of a fear of God. Let that not be us. That's my point here. Let's conduct ourselves with a fear of God. And part of that fear of God is re- re- recognizing our God is awesome. We serve the God of heaven. I don't need to fear men. We don't need to fear movements. We don't need to fear things coming in and trying to take over the church, foul winds of doctrine. We serve God and God will go before us or build our faith, God. Quickly, verse 12, now therefore I beg you. She's talking to these guys. I beg you, swear to me by the Lord since I have shown you kindness that you also show kindness to my father's house. And give me a true token and spare my father, my brother, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. Guys, this is a salvation prayer. Now, it, now it's moved from the Lord. <laughs> it's, it was your Lord, the Lord. She's professing the Lord with her mouth. And listen, she doesn't care what they think about her. I know it says the note, she cared what they thought of her. There should have been a not. She did not care what they thought of her. That's where you see true repentance. I don't care what you think about me. I don't care if you know I'm a harlot. I just want to be right with God. I want to be forgiven. I want to be washed. I do not care. That's one of the ways I always know when someone really repents, when they're like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what anyone thinks. I just want to get right with God. 
I want to get born again. And if there's things I need to take taken care of, I don't care. I just want to be right with God. And when I see people like, oh, I want to be forgiven, but you know what? We'll go back to the list, A, B, C, D. It's like, again, I don't know the heart, but everywhere in scripture where I see people repent, they just don't care. They don't care what people think. They just want to be right with God. And it's that humble heart that God gives favor to. Again, now her sparing them was an act of faith. And she says, now you spare me. And I love it, all my family and all their families. It reminds me of Cornelius when Peter comes. Dude's house is packed to the gills. And the Holy Spirit falls on all of them. And they're all there because they're like, we want God. We've been in darkness so long. We're packing out the house. And I love it because she says, it's not only about, about me. This whole house is going to get filled. I'm bringing all my family in and all their family. We're bringing them all in here. I've spared you and you need to spare us now. You know what's awesome as our act of faith continue? <laughs> Those passages in James and Hebrews, she's called the harlot, but that's what she was. She took those steps of faith as a harlot. When she came to the Lord, that title was dropped. And I love Matthew 1 down through 16. It might look boring, but there's nothing boring about it. It says, this is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And I want to point your attention to verse five. Solomon begot Boaz by... Rahab, and notice it does not say the harlot, and it is the same Rahab. And Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, and Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. And you follow the genealogy down, and you see Joseph and Mary in that, and we know they were in this genealogy from two different directions, but out of it, and the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary, and the Messiah came forward. God said, I'm gonna use this woman in the genealogy of bringing forth my Savior, the Savior of the world. You read, you read Ruth and you marvel at Boaz, how he looked at this little Moabite gal and he marveled at her faith. You need to know there's a backstory. That's his mother, you know, maybe 150 years earlier. Because she was very young and he was very old and there's a big span of time there. Big span of time. I saw a thing not long ago where there was grandsons of one of our presidents like in the early 1800s that were alive. Not great-grandsons, grandsons. Because it had to do with people having kids at a really, really old age. And that's how this works in Judges because you're like, there's not enough time. There's enough time there. She's in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, guys. And it all started with her as a little girl getting that seed planted in her heart. Notice as well, again, in the genealogy, again, it does not say Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab the harlot. That's what she was. She was no longer that. Crucify those titles of what you were before. And anyone says, well, you're one of these Christians. That's a lie. It's a lie. I'm a born again Christian. I'm not a fornicating, carousing, you know what? Uh, uh, troublemaker I'm a born again Christian my identity is in Jesus Christ I'm not that anymore and anyone that teaches you're that and as a Christian they're a liar they're a liar as I've been saying no one's born gay and no one's born again gay and you can take we're born sinners but those titles that come 
There's a sin that is entangles. But in Christ, that's what we were. And I got scriptures to prove it. I'll stand on the word of God in it. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Why is she not called the harlot anymore? Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals or sodomites. That's talking about effeminates. And that is talking about abusers of mankind and the acts of homosexuality and sexual sin. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And praise God, it doesn't stop there. And such were some of you. That's what you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. And Rahab was that, but now she's a, a, a believer in the Lord. And that's what she was. And I'll tell you, the leaven that says identify with your sin is a leaven when it brings in, when it's brought into a church, it will multiply. You're opening the door. You're letting the camel's nose under the tent. And guess what comes when the camel's nose gets under the tent? The whole camel going to be in there in five years. And most of these pastors today, they're too dumb to even know it. They're too dumb to even know it. And this stuff's running roughshod. And the church is now with drag queens coming in. That's where they were 10 years ago, 15 years. I study church history. I study these things. I see it. The Bible shows that leaven, leaven multiplies. You bring in leaven, it's going to multiply. And it's a sad state of affairs because there's so many people in those lifestyles. They're coming in wanting delivered. And, and look, at the good news is Jesus will forgive you, wash you, change you, renew you. The bad news is, well, he'll forgive you, but you're still going to be that. That's a lie from hell, man. I, I just know when I came to Christ with all my sin, the last thing I need was some dude that didn't know the Bible in charge of everything saying, well, God will forgive you, but bro, you're going to be living this way the rest of your life. That's, that's sickening. And, and so many believers, they can't even see it now because they're just not in the word. It's a Laodicean church that puts opinion and feelings above the scriptures. Help us, God. We need to pray for the church in America, guys. It's not a small matter. It's a huge matter. And some people go, oh, you're talking about it again? Yeah, I am. Because God puts it on my heart. And when he stirs me up, I'm going to say something. Verse 14. Let's finish it out. I got five minutes to finish it. Let's do it. So the men answered her, our lives for your lives. If none of you tell this business of ours, then it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. So she let them out down by a rope through the window for her house was on the city wall and she dwelt on the wall. Pretty fair deal. You saved us, we'll save you. You know it's not a fair deal? Jesus saved all of us. That's not fair, but it shows God's love for us. When you say it's not fair, just remember Christ atoning for every sin you ever thought, committed, bad intention was placed on him. It kind of puts perspective on the matter, doesn't it? 16 down through 21. And she said to them, get to the mountains, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. And the men said to her, we'll be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless we come into the land and you bind this line of scarlet, thro- uh, scarlet cord in the window through which you let us uh, down unless you bring and unless you bring your father your mother your brothers and all your father's household to the house scarlet is 
really blood red. You gotta be under the, you gotta be under the blood is what they're saying. You gotta be in the home. You gotta be under the blood. If you're warning her out, you're toast. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the streets, his blood shall be on his own head and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head and the hands laid on them. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath, which you made us swear. Then she said, according to your word, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed. And I love it. I love it. I love it. And she bound the scarlet cord in the window. She didn't wait. She says, I'm, I'm putting that in right now. I'm not putting this off for a second. If you've been putting Jesus off, it is time to stop. She immediately acted. If you don't know him and your heart's been stirred, you need to respond now to Jesus Christ. I love it. She immediately put it in there. And they departed and went to the mountain and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them along the way and did not find them. Her counsel was sound. And God protected them. And no doubt God protected them as well because they took a big step of faith. That was a big step of faith for the two spies. It shows these men's integrity and their trust in God because if they would have leaned on themselves, they're like, we could have said, well, I'm gonna trust no harlot. She's bringing the information, you know, to the king or whatever. We can't trust her. And they said, we're gonna trust, we'll do, they said, we'll do what's right and we'll trust with God. And if she does, God's gonna go before us anyway. Because trusting God is more important than, again, us doing it our way. And they could have leaned on their own understanding and figured out, they said, okay, look it, God's protected us. We're gonna be upright. We're gonna keep our word, even if it hurts. And they gave, the again, the, the parameters of the covenant or the deal they entered in. 23 through uh, 24, we'll close here. So the two men returned uh, descended from the mountain and crossed over and they came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all that had befallen them and they said to Joshua truly the Lord has delivered the land into our hands for indeed all the inhabitants of the country are faint hearted because of us and I could just see Joshua and Caleb said we told them that 40 years ago <laughs> we knew it back then we're right high fiving chest bump we knew we knew it back then. I love it because these guys went in and they looked to God. They didn't look at silly giants. That God's gonna give it to us. And God in his goodness, even in all of it, gave them another confirmation. Well, Heavenly Father, we praise you tonight. We give you glory. Oh, Lord God, I just thank you for this chapter, God. I just thank you for your goodness. Lord, I look at this and I so relate to Rahab. Oh, Lord God, I just thank you that you're merciful, Lord. I thank you that you've saved a room of sinners, God. And even in your grace, you reached down and you met us where we were in our darkness, God. And you were patient and you planted seeds and you brought water along the way and you brought the day where you did the work and you brought us into salvation. Oh, Lord God, you're so, so good. Lord, let us be a people, God, walking by faith, growing in you, Lord. Just help us, pour out your spirit afresh on us tonight, God. I hope this passage has built our faith. And Lord, I just really, really pray, God, that even Friday night, God, we'd be about seed planting and watering seed and just really know, God, there, there'll be little Rahabs here. There, there absolutely will, little girls and little boys that this might be the only exposure they ever get to light. And Lord, I just want them to leave just going, man, 
I, I heard about Jesus there and that it was different. Just like she said, that God's different. He ain't like these other gods. This is different. Oh, Lord God, let us be peculiar and different to your glory. If you haven't called on the Lord, today's the day of salvation. Ask him to forgive you, to be the Lord of your life. He will meet you where you're at. He absolutely will. Bless the rest of our night, our fellowship, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and we sit together. Amen. Amen. God bless you.